You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 10, Daniel has a vision with what commentators argue could be an angel. It reads, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. And I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty fired up if a spiritual being or if God looked upon me with high esteem. It says he looked up upon him with high esteem, right? So, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding, and hopefully you're here tonight to do exactly that, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I, I hope that tonight... You want to stand out to God, the worship, with your attention, with the way you handle yourselves in a spiritual manner, that you get God's attention. If you're visiting with us tonight, I want to welcome you to the Elevate Singles Midweek. Welcome. One quick announcement before we go ahead and pray. Um, we have a men's, I think it's a men's thing, right? Well, so we have a paintball, it's called the Regional Paintball Time, and it's at SC Village. And if you haven't already registered, you still can. I think you can go there and sign up the day of. It's $45 a person. This does not include paint. And the idea is that it's going to be a fun event. You can bring your friends out. It's going to be a barbecue. We use the terminology BYOB, which means bring your own beef. So it'll be an encouraging time. If you want more information on that, is there someone that... Uh, okay, so an email was probably sent out. All right, go ahead and bow your heads. We're going to pray, and then Steve Doyle is going to come up. And uh, give us a lesson on morning, morning to be happy, paradoxically speaking. Let's go ahead and pray. God in heaven, we come before you grateful to be together, grateful to worship you, grateful to be kind of set apart and to be selected. God, I, I pray that we were, would be able to be like Daniel and honor you, have high character. But God, seek to understand you and humbly approach you. God, we love you. We pray that, we, uh, that you be with the rest of tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, 
My name is Steve Doyle. I help, help to serve in the uh, singles ministry here in South Bay. And going to share a little of, uh, of my story tonight. And it was, it was funny when uh, Steve was talking about like, how we're going to break down the lessons. There was one that, uh, it was the one on suffering, and I was like, yeah, I kind of feel like that, that has to be mine. And uh, you'll, you'll understand as we go along. But um, as I, you know, when I looked up suffering, and it just talks about undergoing pain, distress, and hardship. And then there's different kinds of suffering. There's physical suffering, right, if we suffer from some kind of physical illness. There's mental suffering and emotional suffering, and most of mine has been emotional suffering, and um, which to me it feels like it can be like the roughest kind because it feels like it's never going to end. Like, I don't know how you feel, but, um, you know, yeah, it just feels like it's just going on and on and on forever. And uh, I'll explain, you know, my story. I grew up on the East Coast, and I went to school in Ohio. And I was, I was met shortly after I graduated from college. And so from there, I, I helped to lead in the, the singles campus and teens ministry. It was, uh, I lived in Dayton. It was part of the Cincinnati Church of Christ. And, you know, learned a lot at that time. And I met uh, a sister while I was there. Uh, we started dating. We got married. And, you know, and that, actually I moved out here uh, around that time. It was like we were dating at the time, and it was in like 2001 when I moved out here, and we got married uh, then, and, you know, it was like, hey, amen, like everything's going great in my life, you know, I, you know, and I had a new job when I got out here, the company car, you know, it was, it was a good paying job, and, you know, it was like, hey, everything's going, going well, and, um, and then it was just kind of like, things started happening, as life always does. You know, life throws us curveballs. And I remember a few years into my marriage, um, there was just a lot of difficulties. My, my wife, uh, she had depression. And you know, I just remember coming home, and she would be just crying, like, like every, almost every day when I came home. And, um, and then I lost my job. Like, we had just bought a condo, and I lost my job, like, a month later. And I was, like, super stressed. And, uh, and then, um, she had a miscarriage like later on that year and it was just like, man, and then, and then I got into a car accident, like a big car accident. And it was just like, man, like things kind of tend to happen like all at the same time. And, and it was like, amen, you know, like prayed with a lot of brothers at that time, got a lot of advice, you know, and, you know, worked my way through it. But as, as the marriage went on, um, the depression got worse, developed into a condition that, you know, the, the counselor said was borderline personality. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before. Um, but, yeah, it was, uh, it was a rough time. And toward the end of the marriage, um, like, some, some crazy things were, were happening. Like, she would frequently get angry in public places. You know, we'd be at a coffee shop and, you know, just kind of go off on me, like cursing and screaming and yelling. And um, she called the cops on me. You know, she told my family and my friends that I was abusive. And honestly, I've never been in a fight in my life. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm not going to start with a 110-pound woman. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and 
I just remember at that time, I was just like, I just felt like, like um, I'm living in hell. Like, my life has turned into a living hell. Because I was trying to help her and go to counseling with her, go to, go to marriage counseling and see what kind of help I could get her. But it just seemed to get, like, worse and worse and worse. And um, I remember when we went to the counselor and um, she broke down in tears. But then, uh, you know, I was like, hey, maybe we got a breakthrough here. But then as we were leaving, uh, going back home, um, she started, like, punching the dashboard and yelling at me, and this is all your fault, and just had, a, you know, an issue with kind of, like, blame shifting. And, you know, things went on like that for a while. And, you know, so I, I got advice, you know, what do I do? And, um, you, know, I'm, you know, from Henry Kramer and Marco at the time, and uh, I remember going back, talking to her. I was like, hey, you got to go to counseling or, you know, we, we got we to gotta do something else here. And she goes, that's okay. I'm moving. I was like, where are you moving? She's like, I'm going to move back to the East Coast with my family. I was like, are you sure that's what you want to do? And she's like, yeah. So she ended up moving back to the East Coast. And, you know, it was like, wow, you know, all this stuff, you know, like the dating. We had a pure dating relationship for two and a half years. Um, you know, everything that went into the marriage and like everywhere that we moved and how we were trying to like work together. And it was just like, it was all just gone like that. You know, like my life was totally changing. And then to, to add to it, I found, found out like right around the same time that both my dad and my brother had cancer and, you know, and I was having job issues too. So I just remember, you know, at that time, like just like so angry so, so frustrated, so hurt, um, and just like crying out to God. And, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even like read my Bible for a time because I was just like so angry. I was so hurt at, you know, what was going on in my life. And I was like, it's bad enough through the divorce and, and through all of that, you know, like now my dad and, you know, and now my brother as well, you know, I was like, God, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing to me? And uh, I, I told people, uh, you know, like, well, I ended up, you know, when my wife moved away, she took my dog, and I even sold my truck, like, around the same time. So I said my life has become, what's that? Yeah. I said my life has become a bad country song. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and then, I, you know, I started to, feeling sorry for myself for a while. You know, I started, you know, backing away from church because I was just like, I didn't want to go to church anymore. I was like, well, what am I going to do? Well, you know, like, who wants to follow me? You know, like, who wants to follow, like, hey, well, what am I supposed to do? Reach out to someone and say, hey, follow me. You can have great loss too. And, <laughs> and tremendous amounts of mourning. Come follow me. And I was just like, I'm not going to share my faith with anyone. Like, I barely even show up at church. Even when I showed up, I, nothing against the singers, but I couldn't, I couldn't listen to the singing because it was like these happy songs and stuff like that. I would just wait outside until the singing was done because I was just at a point where I was just like, I don't want to don't listen to it because it's positive and nothing in my life is positive right now. And um, so at that time, I had to start studying things out like, hey, you know, like what, what's What's going on? Am I going to stick with this? Am I going to, yeah, I've been a Christian now for 19 years. Um, but I was like, hey, am I going to stick with this or am I just going to drop it and, you know, just go the opposite direction? And 
I wavered back and forth for like at least a year where I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, where else am I going to turn? But yeah, no, forget it. You know, I would just go back and forth, back and forth. And I had to do a study on suffering and, you know, like looking at different biblical characters to kind of help me out and, you know, to, to just, you know, say like, God, is this really what you could possibly want for my life? Or have you just handed me over to Satan, you know, to be tortured? And, you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, a serious question that I, you know, I had like different thoughts that would come up in my head. Um, you know, just the first one was, you know, does God really love me? You know, and the second one, like maybe God doesn't, didn't actually forgive me of my past sins. And, you know, I'm just, I'm suffering for them now. It was kind of like, Okay, your sins are taken away. No, they're not. Ha ha. You know, like, now you're going to go through this tremendous suffering because of that. And, and then the third one was, you know, could a, a loving God actually allow, you know, this much suffering? Or and even when you look at the suffering in the world, you know, like, you look at things that go on overseas, like the lesson we had on Sunday, you know, people that, you know, be, being beheaded for being a Christian, you know, I mean, it's, it's craziness. There's a lot of craziness and suffering out in the world. And um, so I had to, like, kind of search for answers. And let's look at uh, Hebrews 6, verse 7. A brother, I've moved around, uh, I've been, lived in different areas and different churches, and I lived here in, in Vegas and in Houston in the Midwest on the East Coast. And when I was going through my divorce, I was living in Vegas, and I remember a brother there who was helping me out shared this with me. In Hebrews 6, verse 7, it says, Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed, and in the end, it will be burned. And... You know, he shared this with me, and he's like, what does that mean to you? And I was just like, I couldn't even concentrate because I was, like, so stressed out. I was like, I don't know, bro. And he's like, he's like you're the, he goes, you're that land that's drinking in the rain right now. I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, when, when we go through suffering and difficult times, you know, like, when, when it's sunny out, I mean, it's nice to look at, but where, where there's constant sun and no rain, what do you have? A desert. Yeah, exactly. You have, you know, if, if you want to go somewhere and like say, hey, I want to go somewhere that's just beautiful and lush and green, it's like you're not going to go out toward Vegas or Barstow. You know, you're going to go up to like the Pacific Northwest where there's like constant rain. Why? Because there's a lot of growth there. And, you know, so he, he helped me to, to look at it in a different way. Like, hey, okay, this suffering is, is going to help me grow. You know, it's going to you know, later on, it's going to help me grow. And I, I just need to persevere through it because it's not like there's times in our, in our spiritual life when we're doing well and, you know, we can study with people and share our faith and things like that. And it's like a roller coaster. And there's times we're just hanging on for dear life. And at that point, I was hanging on for dear life. And I was like, if like one more pebble would have fallen on the load it would have just all gone away and you know and like the scripture says you know god knows how much to give us he won't give us more than we can handle 
Um, let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10. All right, Hebrews 2, verse 9. It says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons to glory, it is fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. You know, look at that again. Make the author of their salvation, Jesus, perfect through suffering. Now, Jesus was sinless, right? Um, you know, but it said, the Bible says even he had to be perfected through suffering. And, you know, like, so I started, you know, studying different things out on Jesus, you know, and God, God said when Jesus was baptized, what? He said, this is my, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased, right? And I was like, okay, you know, God loved Jesus, of course, but still, you know, Jesus was called to tremendous suffering, you know, like for us. And it's not like, you know, just because he, he was allowed to go through this suffering that God, like, turned his back on him or anything. No, like, God loves him greatly, um, and he still allowed him to go through this incredible suffering. And um, let's look at Isaiah 53. This is one of my favorite scriptures on, on Jesus. You know, and this was, you know, just it describes Jesus so well in Isaiah 53. And it was written, I think, what, like 600 years before he, uh, what's that, something like that? 750. So, you know, 700 years before he came on earth, and it just describes him exactly. Um, it says in verse 1, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was pierced, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people, he was, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. 
And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in the land. A couple things like, that stick out to me in that. Like one is in verse 7 where it says, you know, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Um, it says he, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Now, when we go through suffering, our tendency is to, to lash out, to get angry, you know, to curse and scream and yell, like whatever. You know, just dealing with like what's going on in our hearts. Um, but Jesus set the example here. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't like cry. He didn't complain. You know, he didn't fight against it. You know, he asked God, hey, can, can you take this away from me? You know, he asked him three times and God said no. And he said, let your will be done. And he just accepted his lot in life and he went with it. And now, who do you know that when they, when they come before, like, criticism or anger or hatred just keeps their mouth shut? I don't know anybody, honestly. And, uh, and it, it was a really, it was a big challenge for me, too, because at the end of my marriage when, you know, my wife would, she would curse and yell and get angry, I remember I reached out to her family um, and I was like, hey, can, can you help? Can, can you help her? And even though her dad knew that, you know, she had depression and she had gone in and out of different facilities and getting help, um, you know, she had told them that I was abusive. So he, he jumped on her side. And, he, you know, when I called him to ask him for help, he cursed me out, like, up and down and all around. I mean, I was like, I didn't know such things could be in a man. And, <laughs> and I was just like, wow. And, and I was like, I have her cursing at me. I have, I'm just trying, I'm reaching out to him, like, I'm just like, please help, because if not, like, it's, it's probably going to end really bad, and we're going to have to get a divorce, and things like that. We had been married 10 years at that point, and, you know, I, I, when I talked to him, you know, I was expecting, like, a different response. I was like, he's going to know, and he's going to help, and when he cursed me out, you know, my heart just sank, because I was like, I was like, I think that's it, you know, like, I don't know what else I can do. And, you know, he was like my last hope to, to talk some sense into her because she would listen to him. She wouldn't listen to me at the time. And when he cursed me out, I, I remember, like, thinking of this scripture. And I was just like, and I, I was so, I wanted to lash back, like, so bad. But I just said, I was like, you're wrong, but I'm sorry that you feel that way. And have a nice life. You know, because I knew it was going to be the last time I talked to him. And, you know, a few weeks later, she moved out, and, you know, I remember, like, talking to, talking to my wife the day before our 10th anniversary and asking her what she wanted to do, and when she, you know, and she said that she was going to leave, and I remember on, on my 10th year anniversary, I was like, this is really depressing. I was like, I was helping my wife buy a ticket to go back to the East Coast and move out of my life, because once she made the decision, I was like, hey, you know, like, I'm, I'm going to help you do what you want to do. You know, if, if that is your heart, that's your decision, I'm not going to stop you. I'll, I'll actually help you, you know, to, to do what you want. And I just remember, like, uh, and I remember talking to Marco, you know, he asked me, hey, how's everything going? And, and I was like, do you really want to know? <laughs> and, you know, just talking to him one day, and, and he just kind of stared at me, 
like for a minute, and he's like, bro, I'm so sorry you have to go through that. I just remember like breaking down, you know, like, because it was like everything was happening all at once. Um, let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. This is a scripture that, you know, mourn to be happy is, is based on. And though we can go through various different things in our life, different struggles, uh, different trials, whatever it may be, God still has a plan. You know, he's still looking out for you. And it's a challenge to our faith, but he promises to, to see us through it. And... 5 verse 4, it just says, Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And, you know, I, I seriously, I didn't know, like, how that could be true. And, but after going through everything and seeing, like, I, I was very upset and angry and discouraged at how my life was going. But looking back at it now, like, if I would have stayed in that, in that marriage, in that situation, I probably would have fallen away. And I think God was just protecting me, and I, I just see how he was protecting me in many different ways. Even when, when I was living back on the East Coast at the time with, with my wife, and God moved me back here to where I had stronger, more solid relationships. Because if, if I would have had to go through this there, I, pro- I probably would have fallen away, honestly. I, you know, just to be honest. And not that I didn't want to follow God, but I was just like, I was going through so much, and, you know, I, I don't know if I would have been able to deal with it, but when, when we go through severe mourning is when God has a chance to step in and truly reveal himself to us and truly show, like, you know, like, as, as like a little kid, you ever remember, like, hurting yourself, and, you know, like, I don't know what your relationship was like with your dad, but, you know, if, if you can just picture that, you know, like, the father just grabbing you and like, hey, I, I'm here. I'm here now. And I'm going to protect you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look out for you. I'm not going to let anything, I'm not going to let anything or anyone hurt you. And people will, you know, like a lot of suffering that happens in the world, most of it is caused from sin, honestly. Um, we sin against others. They sin against us. Um, but when we when we deal with that suffering, are we just gonna are we gonna give it to God and and say, God, I trust you through this suffering, or are we gonna backslide, fall away, leave, get angry, get bitter, and you know go our own way? You know, it's it, there's a choice, and I personally believe that we're all gonna have our our serious suffering to go through at some point in our life. Some of you have probably already gone through it. Some of you, you know, may be in it now. Some of you, it might be in the future. But, you know, I'm talking about just going through it and, and trusting God and just allowing God to, to work how he's going to work and, and work through you, the situation, the brothers and sisters in your lives, and, and just looking to him for, for his help. Because he is your loving father and he wants to to help you, and he wants to work things out for you. Um, so that's some of the stuff on, on Jesus that, you know, I wanted to show you. And I wanted to show you a couple things on Paul, too. Let's look at Acts 9.15. Acts 
Paul and Jesus, of course, the two greatest singles in history. And, you know, like, there's, there's a lot that we can learn from them. In Acts 9, 15... Oh, hold on. Let's, let's start up a little higher. Um, and let's start in verse 11. It says, The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, Paul, you know the story, like Paul was knocked off his, his horse. He saw a light, and Jesus spoke to him, and Paul, you know, refers to himself as the greatest of sinners. And Paul was murdering Christians. So I'd, I'd say he's like, he's pretty close to being like one of the greatest of sinners. Um, you know, I don't know like where sin, sin ranks in your life or whatever, but I'm like, he wasn't even, he wasn't killing bad people, he was killing good people. And Jesus said like, hey, this is my, this is my chosen instrument. And it was funny, like uh, Ananias He's like, um, you sure about this, God? You know, I've heard these reports. And I love it when people argue with Jesus. <laughs> it, you know, it just doesn't work. Um, you know, he's like, go. This man is my chosen instrument. You know, and he's going he's gonna to carry my word to the Gentiles. And, and then at the end, it, even though Paul was forgiven, even though he was loved by Jesus and he became one of the the greatest biblical characters that we have, he says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You know, so it's another example of like a biblical example of where God allows suffering. So when, if someone ever questions, like asks you, how could a loving God allow suffering in the world? Like God had a purpose for it. God, you know, has, has a purpose for, for suffering. Um, it like, what kind of things does suffering do for us? It humbles us out, right? It, it makes us consider, like, we can just go on in our lives sometime and, you know, be content with our job, be content, like, hey, you know, we have this dream. I want to I wanna get married and have a good job, get a house with a little white picket fence, have a couple kids running around, a dog, like, whatever. Now, sometimes if, if you just go in that direction, you're, you're, you might fall away. You know, because you're going to be so content in and of your own little world that, you know, God has to kind of shake it up. Do you see that? You know, like God, he has to shake, you know, like look at your story. Look at even your conversion story. Um, You know, I, I was living my life the way I wanted to, you know, and God allowed some difficult things to happen to me to get my attention. If he didn't get my attention, I wouldn't have come. You know, there's no way. I was content in what I was doing. I, I, was, I was content in my sin. 
I, I was content in my job. I was content with my girlfriend at the time. I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm good. Why do I need any help? And, but when, when suffering happens, when God, you know, shakes us, then we, we realize we have to fall to our knees and, and say, what do you want of me, God? And he will at times in our lives, you know, sometimes because of our own sin, uh, sometimes he, he just wants to change the course of your life to a better one than you had planned. And, you know, we can think, like, in the back of our mind, like, hey, this is what I want out of my life. God's, God's plan is better than yours. You know, like, think about it. Who's smarter, me or God? God, you know, it's like not even close. And, you know, it's like, whose plan is better for my life? I, you know, I had a certain plan, you know, before I became a Christian. Hey, I'm, I'm content with my girlfriend. I'm content with my job, content with this. If God didn't shake things up and, and cause some suffering... I would have gone down that road, and that would have been it. I would, you know, like, at the end of my life, it would have been, welcome to hell. You know, so I'm very glad. I hope you are. I hope you're grateful at what, at the things that God put in your life to distract you, to, to change the course of your life. If not, you know, you would have been heading down, you know, heading down the broad road to hell. Now, now we have a chance. Now we, we have forgiveness. Now we have Jesus to, to help us out. Um, let's look at Second uh, Corinthians 11. You know, when we talk about Paul and the suffering that he went through, this is this is one of my favorites about about Paul. In Second Corinthians 11, we'll start in 16. Now, it says uh, at the heading, it says Paul boasts about his sufferings. He says, I repeat, let no one take me for a fool, but if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes, takes advantage of you or punishes himself or pushes himself forward, or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit, we were too weak for that. What anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have constantly been on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? You know, Paul goes on to talk about like all the different things that he went through in his life, like all the different things that he overcame and pushed his way through so that he could follow Jesus to the very end. And, 
you know, and think about it in, in your own life. What, what's holding you up? You know, what's holding your brothers and sisters up? You know, like, are you willing to challenge those brothers and sisters that aren't, you know, like, that are kind of lukewarm, that aren't doing very well? You know, I, I don't know what kind of suffering you've gone through in your life, but I doubt it compares to this. And, you know, we can't, we can't just allow, like, suffering and, and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, you know, you go do what you got to do. Like, no. Like, we're called to suffer. We're promised to suffering. Like, that's a part of your life when you become a Christian. And I was, you know, I, I just wanted to share this with you because I was very naive when I first became a Christian. You know, I was just like, hey, I'm, I'm doing things the right way now. You know, I'm, you know, I'm going to just be blessed. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have that. Because I'm doing things the right way. You know, like, no, it's not how it works. You know, God does promise blessings. He promises us, you know, a hundred times as much in this life and the next. But he says, and with them, persecutions. And I think sometimes we can think of persecutions as like, oh, I'm sharing my faith and, you know, someone yells at me or they, they tell me they're not going to come to church. Like, no, you're being persecuted by Satan because you're following Jesus. He hate, Satan hates you. And, you know, we have an enemy who he's smarter than us. He's faster than us. He doesn't sleep. You know, he... We have an enemy that is unbeatable, really, when you think about it. Like, we can't, like, go up against Satan and beat him. All we can do is follow Jesus and let him defeat Satan. And, you know, like, the the suffering will come because Satan wants to pull you away. Say, you know, how does he work? You know, like, Satan's compared to, like, a lion or a wolf, things like that. How do they work? They isolate and they destroy and they attack. Isolate and attack pull you away from the body, then attack. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen brothers and sisters in in 19 years where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, sister's like, hey, my ex-boyfriend's coming out to church. And and it's just like, that's awesome. Stay far away from them. Because (laughs) normally it's like, it's like, hey, honestly, nine times out of ten, I think it's, it's from Satan other than God. Because I remember a situation as a young Christian um, a sister became a Christian. One of my buddies was interested in her. And next thing you know, like, she's doing well and she's faithful. And a few months later, her boyfriend starts coming out and she's all happy. You know, she, you could see she already had it in her eye. Oh, we're going to get together now. We're going to get married. You know, like, she had it, like, she had it down. And so they ended up dating. You know, he, he's like, he started, he was going to church at first. And, and then just said, you know, let's not go to church anymore. Let's, let's do our own thing. And then pulled her away and then moved out of state, you know, moved, moved to a different city. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, where's so-and-so? Oh, you know, uh, she moved out of state, she got pregnant, and her boyfriend left her. And it's like, you know, I hear it happening, like, all the time. We have to be careful of what Satan throws in our path, you know, because we can look at something like, hey, this is a blessing, and it's not. Satan is out. He's out for us. And we have to be, we have to be wise in, in how we go about things. Um, and we want to hear the right things when we get, you know, when at the end of our time, you know, like, what do we want to hear? We want to hear, good, well done, good and faithful servant? Or, you know what, I wish you would have loved me the way that I loved you. Like, wouldn't you hate to hear Jesus say that? I wish you would have taken my, my sacrifice, you know, more seriously.
And let's look at uh, one more scripture. My notes got all wet. I'm like trying to see what this is. <laughs> it's in Numbers. It's a number. I think it says Numbers 4. No, sorry, Numbers 14. Numbers 14, 26. Uh, for, numbers 14, 26. It says, uh, I shared this one with the singles in South Bay before. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, lives declares the lord i will do to you the very things i heard you say in the desert your bodies will fall every one of you 20 years old or more who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me not one of you will enter the land i swore and uplifted with uplifted hand to make your home except caleb son of uh jephunneh and joshua son of nun as for your children that you would let's see as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them to enjoy the land you have rejected. But you, your bodies will fall in the desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last one of your bodies lies in the desert. And this is, you know, this is a, a challenging scripture because God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. And what did they do? You know, they went through difficult times and they started grumbling and complaining. And that's, that's a tendency of ours. You know, when, when we're pressed, when, when, when the world's coming down hard on us, we can like want to grumble and complain. And I know I, I've, I've done it. You know, I've, I've struggled with that greatly. And we have to make sure that you know, we're, we're grateful. We have to really fight to be grateful for everything that we have. I mean, look at where we live. We live in, like, one of the wealthiest states in the wealthiest country in the world. You know, we live in the most moderate-temperatured place in the world. Like, I, you know, being from the East Coast, if I hear one more California complain about how cold it is, I'm going to shoot somebody. Yeah, oh, my gosh. You know, it's not cold. <laughs> everything, everything is something in comparison to something else. I, when I was in the Midwest and it was 40 below, like, yeah, that was pretty cold. <laughs> you know, like 60 and slightly overcast is not that cold. <laughs> but, you know, we, just, we have to be grateful about everything that we have, you know, because God hears those complaints. You know, those complaints go up before him. And, you know, gratitude goes before him or complaints go before him. And we can, we can be blessed or cursed depending on what we do. And so we have to be careful what we allow. And 
you know, when I was sharing about, you know, like the difficulties I was going through at the time uh, with my divorce and with my dad's cancer, with my brother's cancer, um, my dad, he had a tendency to complain a lot. When he, he was going through chemo and he's going through radiation, you know, I was like, I totally understand. I, I, I didn't say anything to him. I was, you know, I just tried to listen because I knew he was going through great suffering. And then one day, my dad went into the cancer ward. He was going in, uh, in Texas, and there was kids in there that day. And he was looking around, and he was talking to my sister. I wasn't there this time. And there was an 11-year-old. There was a 7-year-old. There was a 4-year-old, you know, with, with cancer, with leukemia, you know. And it started to change his attitude. You know, he was like, you know, because he's in his 70s, and he's like, he's like, wow. You know, like, what, what does she have? You know, and, like, you want to talk about heartbreaking, you know, when he was looking at his situation and being, complaining, being ungrateful, and then when he looked at that, he's like, you know, hey, I've had 70-plus years of, you know, of a healthy life. He goes, there's a four-year-old right here losing her hair from the chemotherapy, wondering if she's going to make her fifth birthday. You know, and think about the parents of those kids, like, what kind of suffering that they're going through. And it totally changed his attitude. And he, he didn't complain anymore that, after that day. And, um, you know, and we have to do that in our own lives. Evaluate where we're at. And, like, we can compare ourselves to, like, hey, you know, like, I, my, fan, my finances are rough, you know, compared to who? Well, Bill Gates. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, compared to Bill Gates, you know, like, oh, man, you know, if I had just had that, then I'd be happy. Or, you know what, if I, was, if I was married, then I'd be happy. If I had this house, then I'd be happy. And it's like, that, that's, that's a lie. That's a lie of Satan. You know, he's, he puts these things in our mind to distract us, to, to get us off course. And God will protect you. He, will, he promises to, to bless you, take care of you, uphold you. But he insists on doing it his way. And... His, you know, like we talked before, his way is better than ours. You know, who God has for you to marry is much better than who you have for you to marry. And, you know, and we have to be, we have to think about that too. You know, we have to base that on spirituality and not just like, hey, I think this person is good looking or that person, you know, drives a nice car. You know, we have to think differently than the world thinks because the world's way does not work. You know, with a a divorce rate of 70%, you know, and growing, the, the world's way really doesn't work. And we have, to, we have to think about that in our own lives, you know, and who we, who we allow into our lives and who we date, who we spend time with and things like that. Um, amen. That's, uh, that's all I had. Is there anything else you wanted me to share? Okay. All right, we have a few uh, questions. To, you know, we're going to break up into our groups and talk about. And the South Bay, uh, of the singles leaders, the Bible talk leaders are going to be meeting over here. Right, Steve? In this, in this room back here afterward. So uh, let's end in a prayer. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for just uh, all the blessings you give us in our life, God. Help us to truly be grateful of everything that we have, God. And just have a grateful heart, God, that is truly happy uh, for the blessings that we have, God. 
you know, and first and foremost, the blessing that we have of your son. You know, there, there's nothing in this world that can compare to that. You know, we have the promise of salvation. We have forgiveness of sin. We have mercy. Um, God, the world doesn't have that. And we are totally blessed. If, even if nothing else is going right in our life, God, we're totally blessed for that reason alone. But God, you know, we do have more than that, God. You know, you, you've blessed us abundantly in where we live and, and where we work, even who our friends are, even like uh, just being able to study the Bible in a, in a country where we're, we're not going to have to be killed for our faith, God. Help us to be grateful of all the blessings that we, we do have, God. And when we go through suffering, God, help us to compare ourselves to Jesus, not to compare ourselves to other people. And so that we, we don't lose heart, God. You know, Jesus, oh, he overcame. He was strong, God. He was strong to the very end. And God, help us to do the same. We uh, just thank you so much for this night. And uh, thank you for your word, which just helps keep us on the right path, Father. And uh, thank you most of all for your son and his sacrifice for us. We love you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.